0: Before you may go leave the tower, you must recite the magical incantation of freedom. You must speak the words of the eagle, my boy. Now let's let's take another go. Let's try again, shall we? Go, go on, go go ahead. Give it all you've got. Uh, uh, Glodak, Farnum and us, Katalo, Mardak, Mardak, and us, katoli K- 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 who K- oh, you, 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 blundered it again, my boy. No, no, there's, there's no Katoli there's that's not even a word in any tongue that I know of. You've got to remember. Remember the words. See through them. The key is not to memorize each individual thing, but to understand the language with which magic flows through you. Now no. Try again. Let's focus. Conceptual comprehension, my boy. no not simple memorization, and then you will recall. Now, let's have a go at it. Come on, now, come on. Uh, for now, no. <sighs> <sighs>
1: Greetings, programs. It's your old buddy Ingrid Bernal here, back once again. It's the podcast that's made to last. That's the RPG mainframe. We're talking about episode 56. Episode 56 of the RPG mainframe. Can you believe that? I think I say that just about every episode. I was like on episode three, and I'm like, can you believe it's episode three? Anyway, welcome back, everybody, to Rune RuneHumeria. This is the upper north, the great distant steps of tundra from which the RPG mainframe sends its cryptic signal to the world. (laughs) Hey, nice to have you guys back for this episode. This one, we're going to get practical. So lately, I've been thinking a lot about value, the value that's going into what I put out into the world, especially for my number one people's, my shield wall, and that is none other than you, my patrons over here, you guys taking care of me, making my insane future possible. We're going to be hearing more about that in the coming months. But uh,
0: yeah, I'm thinking about
1: practicality, usability, value, right? And so I've been thinking like, what can I bring that is another like tool to use, another thing to do. Not necessarily musings and thoughts and opinions, which sometimes can be make for a good podcast, right? But actual usable technique. This has really been on my mind lately. A, a huge amount of the volume of sort of what I have done in the past and how it has informed my design decisions and flippity flap. We've worked our way through a lot of that stuff. So not only is change in the air because it's the end of the year, um, also, just thinking about value here at episode fifty six and for this one, this came right out of the annals of my own work, my own preparation for the altered state game that I'm running right now for uh, of seven different groups of immortals out there um so the first session is in the can that was friday night uh Friday December oh. December 6th I believe it was that was last Friday. Um we ran that opening session and what a relief to get the opening session out of the way because I had those those pre-session crazies like I know a lot of you do and uh, if you have those pre-session crazies you are not alone that means you're just you're going for it. There's an old saying if you're not nervous you're not trying and I I, I really really believe in those words. So if you're not like panicking right before the session maybe you don't care enough. <laughs> I need more care. <laughs> so This next technique comes right out of my preparation and also my sort of mitigation of the crazies, right? Those crazies come and get you and you are definitely not at your best as a game master if you're going a little bit bonkers, right? It's better to be relaxed and be in command of things. And so we come to the topic of today's podcast which is the memory flash test. Now, every time that you're preparing material or designing material, there's a lot of cool notes involved, right? You have arrows pointing at things. You have circles and boxes. You have notations for how dice are going to work, how many monster, or how many actions a monster might have, maybe how many hit points a monster is going to have, what the disarming procedure is for a trap or a locked door, or what the motivation is of an almost unbeatable villain, right? All of these things. You have cool notes in your book, and this is the very stuff of our hobby. This is the fun that you have late at night sitting on the couch and just sort of playing with ideas and taking notes on those ideas. So that part will forever remain untouched as one of the cores of our hobby. But if you guys are like me, there is a little bit of a disconnect when it comes to sitting down at the table and making a game session out of those notes and those thoughts. There's always this sort of black box processor, right? Which is your notes over here on the left, in the middle, big old question mark on the right, the actual session. And anybody who has run any number of sessions knows that in about first 10 to 15 minutes, as you feel player response, as you feel the energy either lifting or dragging, that a lot of your notes seem a little bit rigid and maybe not even that useful. And you're, you're sort of looking through them again and again to look for the next thing you need to know so that you can run this session the way you dreamed it up. right? And this Question mark: black box in the middle is really what I want to talk about with the memory flash test. And this is a technique that I accidentally did, uh, like on myself. I, I actually did a pop quiz on myself without even realizing that was what I was doing. So let me lead you through how I reached it and then how you can do it in your own practice. So when I was creating the first portion of the Birthday Boy Living World game which now we're we're into, right? That first session is behind me, so now I'm in the thick of it. But when I was in that preparation phase, which was about a three-week preparation phase, there's a lot of loose ends and a lot of unknowns, but what the characters are going to be like, how they're going to respond to certain things, if things are going to hit at the table and feel cool, or if they're just going to kind of be missed, if insignificant details get over-exaggerated, and all these possibilities. You guys know how this feels. So I'm going through, and I'm trying to get a sense for what the really the working data is here. And by working data, I mean like the key facts, the key sort of mechanical concepts I have, some of the key encounter elements that I really want to run to stretch my legs a little bit as a game master and to thrill these players, right? And so what I wound up doing in my journal, and it seems a little bit silly now, but I would title my page, right? It would be called Birthday Boy. And then I'd start numbering it. And I was on like V.5. So this is like my fifth page of just trying to take notes on what the hell this idea is that I'm having and how players fit into it and then a few days would pass and I'd go off and because of the nature of my sort of daily life you know I'd have a project come up maybe for a um, you know for another publisher who wants some art or wants a little bit of writing or maybe I have you know you guys are online and we break out into a dope conversation or maybe me and Alex are working on altered state or who knows what or You know, I'm off drinking beer for for grins, right? (laughs) Either way, a couple days later, I come back to my journal. I'm like, ooh, I need to get this birthday boy thing locked down, I'm just not sure what the hell I'm doing. And instead of going back to the notes I had and then just trying to understand them, I just start over again. I just put at the top of the page, birthday boy, this is attempt six, right? And just come at it as if I had never written a single word on this entire topic. And then I just kept doing that. This process repeated 11 times, 11 times. But here's the thing. By the time I got to that last page, I didn't call it Birthday Boy 11. I I realized I think I have a command, a conceptual command of this material. So I put my title up top, Birthday Boy, and then I have a cool subtitle, which I'm not going to reveal because it kind of changes from session to session, and I'm keeping all this very under wraps. And then I just go bullet, 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 bang, 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 and I'm done. Now, in my brain, I know that I have a lot more loosey-goosey spaghetti and meatballs thoughts about any given bullet, right? But my ability, and this is the key here with this idea, my ability to just nail out that page to just bang it out without any hesitation, without any chin scratching, without even really very complex notation, right? These bullets are short. The ability to do it means that I have that command of the material. And I think this is the essence of the memory flash test. And then I said to myself, this 11th page, this is something we're talking about. This is the memory flash test. And so I want to invite you guys to try is as a procedure in your notes, rather than writing notes and then treating them as if, wow, I wrote those, I need to you know, play from those, I need to consult those. What I would invite you to try is to pretend that that's all behind you now, that, that you, are, you are writing and losing your work. And it's just, you write it and then it's gone again, and then you write it and then it's gone again. And then you sit down and you say, okay, I'm feeling pretty confident in my command of this material. This is the next session in five or six bullet points. Boom, 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 boom. Then you sit and think, is that everything I wanted to cover with all this sort of unspoken nuance and unspoken improv and unspoken detail? And that to me, that is the memory flash. This is like, I don't know where this term comes from, maybe like flashcards, right? With a flashcard, it isn't about memorization, it's about having a command. So if an unexpected... Flashcard pops up and you're playing a flashcard game, if you have a command of the concepts at play, let's say it's addition, you don't have to think like, oh, I memorized what four plus two is. No, you have a command of the addition tool. And in an instant, when four plus two comes up, you know it's six. This is the same type of thinking I want you to apply to your session prep, rather than I have a brilliant set of notes here, I have a couple really neat monster Uh, mechanical ideas, right? Like this monster can take three actions and his third action is always a recovery. Something simple like that. Or this monster is different because he's almost undefeatable. For every 10 hit points he takes, he actually only takes one, something like that. Or only electrical energy can ever hurt this monster. Everything else they kind of laugh about. See, See, all these ideas are super, super short, not because I want them to be simple, but because I want them to be rememberable. Now, you guys know that I'm a huge fan of playing only from memory. Now, you may have notes there to help you, but the best sessions are going to come from memory. And what I realized as I was doing the flash test, it's not because memory is cool and you don't have to look down at your book and memory is cool because it keeps the game moving faster. Those are peripheral benefits. But the reason that it's so cool is it demonstrates that you have a command of the material for the night. You have mastered the material for the night, so that when unexpected things happen, which is every single session of any decent game, you have a command of where it should go without accidentally sort of foobarring your own continuity, right? Or inventing something on the spot that later doesn't fit into your overall canon because you don't want to do that stuff, but you're going to need to improvise. And so the way you improvise on point is with a command of the material. And the way that you create this command is not by refining one set of notes, but tossing a set and writing the exact same set of notes again. Then doing it again and again and again, until the notes are smaller, more compact, and you're just writing them right off the top of your head without looking back at previous pages in your journal. This is the memory flash test. It pushes the idea of a single session prep to the absolute limit, which is saying, I can answer any question about this session off the top of my head, not because I know the answers, but because I have a command of the concept of the session. So that's the abstract version of the technique that I want you guys to try. And the, if we wanted to get into, say, you know a, an example, because I don't want to give away my altered state game. It's just still too on the vine, right? I can't pick that berry yet. Let's talk about Doom Vault. Doom Vault is a game that's seen a lot of play out there, uh, that a lot of people have run and created in different ways, and it's really exciting to see that happen. With Doom Vault, you can easily summarize that adventure into a very short list of bullets. The first, probably most important one, well, depending on how you run it, is that there is a limited amount of time before the ritual is complete for players to get through this dungeon. So that gives you a lot of answers about different questions. The next one could be the invulnerables. They cannot be injured. Now, I know that seems like an insanely simple bullet point, but if you play that adventure with that bullet really in mind, it truly alters the nature of the experience. You have an unharmable enemy that is looking for the players. It cannot be stopped or injured. And that is a huge part of how this particular adventure pressures players. The next one could be monks are out and about or these are deadly monks, something like this. This is kind of the the terminology that I would write in. And those two bullets are very different. Monks are wandering about to me as a bullet point says, okay, just treat these guys as single hit point pushovers, but they come in numbers and they're kind of always appearing here and there. But if I say the monks are deadly, this could mean, they always do ultimate when they stab you because they have poison on their blades. Or maybe they do double. They just, you know, roll 2d6 when they stab you because they hit you twice, like that, right? I don't necessarily need to write down every single mechanic, but believing in the detail about how I write these refined bullets lets me come up with a way that's going to fit in the moment, and nothing is broken. Nothing is crazy, I don't accidentally create this or forget that. I let it all live inside these bullets. The next one could be, at the big statues, the ray is deadly. Something like this, right? And so this this calls back to a bunch of memorized data that I have about Osric's Gate, right? There's these rays that shoot out of these statues and always make them super deadly. It's deck save to dodge or drop right? This is less for me to write and more for me to create in the moment. Maybe they've been through hell at that point in the adventure, and I actually want to scoot them through. And so my bullet point that says the rays are deadly from the statues can be nerfed quite a bit because they've already been through hell in the adventure. And then in a different version It's been way too easy. So when I read that next bullet, the rays are deadly from the statues, I'm gonna make these things insanely deadly. But what it does is it gives me freedom to function in the moment while covering the key things that make this session what it creatively is intended to be. And so you see, like even the final encounter, right? Destroy the crystals to power down the ritual. That could be the bullet. This is the sort of the final battle. There is so much... Data that could be written on how to describe a final battle like that to make it interesting and mechanically detailed and to have that feeling of real truth behind it that players love, right? But the command of the ideas of that battle to me is more important than any given mechanical write out that you could do, especially when it comes to like looking at your journal and looking back up and reading and searching and all and that, its effect on the game. I can tell you that this is a bit of an epiphany for me. Because for so long, I have shaken my head a little bit at a lot of uh, 5e that I played online or, or, or watch play online. Because 5e has such uh, wildly detailed writeouts and stat blocks, right? And then I see doing, people doing actual play and almost none of that ever comes into the game. So on the one hand, you could be like, well, poo-poo on you. You're not really even playing 5e. You're actually just playing D20 rollover improv, But I think what I'm seeing, if I let go of my critique of 5e, is this very thing being done, is that you're trying to capture the conceptual command of a scene, not its mechanical detail. And I think, if anything, this is just another argument for why in-depth mechanical write-downs in systems are of limited utility. They make your eyes cross, they they kind of wear you out, and then you wind up not even truly using them as written come game time. And if you do use them as written, the time required to look up and down at it starts to eat you up. I could levy this critique at my own monster designs in the ICRPG core. How many of us playing ICRPG are really have a monster entry open and are reading it as we're playing? I would argue very few. And in my mind, what that means is that even my monsters are a bit overwritten. And in that overwriting, you can lose sight of the conceptual command. Because you're like, ah, okay, this goblin's just a goblin because you have like this sort of conceptual fatigue and you miss the one concept that really matters. A, a great example here is I would imagine the the goblins from 5e. In my mind, I only remember one thing that matters, which is that they hide as a free action. They can have any number of hit points. They can have any weapon, any armor, magical abilities, anything. But what matters to make them a goblin is that they hide a lot, and they hide instantly. That's a a conceptual command of what makes the the goblin unique, not a clinging to some specific stat or mechanical design. And what this gives me is not just my improv capability at the table. It also gives me a far more compact way to keep notes. So let's say I'm playing 5e, and I'm getting ready to spring some goblins. My bullet is, goblins always hide. That's it. All I need is a little mnemonic device to remind myself, ooh, yeah, they have that free hide mechanic. And other than that, yeah, they all have five hit points, and they all do 1d4 with their little, you know, wooden daggers. (laughs) Right? I get to improv the rest. You could even make a bullet point, say, super fast, which could mean two or three actions. Or you could just write down, you know, has two actions, always hides. That would be a very advanced goblin. That means it could attack you twice, then instantly hide for free, right? And this can be kept in such a compressed form if if you have written your notes more than once, if you have done what I call the flash test, the memory flash, which is like, can you just... Sit down, grab a pen, and write out all the key details that make a session what it is, that reveal its bones and its DNA, just without even thinking. (laughs) Got it. Oh man, I'm ready to play this. And here's what happens. Here's what happened to me. I finally reached that point. I finally had conceptual command of the first session of the Altered State game. We get in there, and right away, some questions are being answered that are asked that I did not anticipate. But I felt like I could wing the answers. Then the way the opening gameplay is kind of sort of unfolding is not what I expected or honestly really totally prepared for. But I knew that I had a sense of how the surprises would be revealed about what each little portion sort of had to offer. And had to offer, I think, is a useful way of looking at it, too. Like, what does this scene have to offer? that's a great phrase because it asks like, what is the the conceptual signature here? And that conceptual signature is what find its way all the way down to your bullet point. Goblins are hiding everywhere. <laughs> right. That's a, that's a great bullet point for me as a GM. And then in the moment I could say, all right, they're going to spawn 1d6 every timer. There's, they're going to be hiding back and forth. There's also two of them that have crossbows. And then there's two of them that have armor plates where they're almost invincible. Like they take, you know, one damage per 10, like I said before, there we go. But I just come up with that in the moment. I don't want to have to write all that stuff down because I have a command of what the concept is here. Like if you didn't want to forget that variety, like the crossbow and the armor, your single bullet could say goblins are hiding everywhere with all kinds of different equipment. Then that lets me as the GM sort of wing it in the moment for how that equipment is captured. And I'm not stuck writing all these notes and looking back and forth at them as I play. Now, like so many uh, podcasts on the RPG mainframe, when I'm coming into 25 minutes uh, of talking your ear off about an idea, I start to think like, is this really even earth-shaking enough to make a decent podcast, but I think those are the very ideas that have that great utility I was mentioning at the beginning of the show today, that value. I think if I'm hitting you with something you know, really wild, like uh, let's say the, the burning wheel battle of wits system, and I'm trying to put that into a podcast, I don't think it's gonna see table time because this podcast in itself serves the role as being one of the bullet points in your journal. It's a compressed version of an expandable, unpackable idea. And it should feel somewhat obvious and intuitive by the end of the 20 minutes. It should feel like, huh, yeah, you know, that's actually not a bad idea. I'll write all my notes, then kind of chuck them, wait a couple of days, come back and write them again, shorter and tighter and better. Hmm, yeah, huh, that's kind of a decent idea. And I want my podcast to sound that way. I want the mainframe to feel that way. And so that's how I came to the Memory Flash Test, which for me just had great dividends on Friday night, and hopefully we'll have more dividends tomorrow night when I run the next chapter of that bizarre unfolding and dark and gloomy story. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the RPG Mainframe, another compact episode of your favorite role-playing podcast here on the interwebs. I'm Ingrid Byrne, all your host. And Hey, I'm going to throw up a survey pretty soon on Patreon. And I'm going to ask, you know, provide some alternatives for how 2020 could change for Runehammer. 2019 has been a huge year of growth for the Patreon page. And I actually cannot believe that we are within striking distance of the 1000 patron goal. That is, uh, that is beyond all reckoning. Um, and as YouTube is phased out of sort of my at least weekly creative existence, maybe videos could find their way into being an integral part of Patreon. I'm not sure. And so I think it'd be a great discussion to have with you guys where we want to go in 2020. The hobby has changed a lot in 2019. And I know I, as a person, have changed a ton in 2019. My interests are constantly getting weirder. And a lot of personal changes are ahead for me in 2020. So I want to innovate and change and evolve. That could even mean changing what the podcast is or changing what the focus of Patreon is. So we're going to entertain some wild and crazy ideas. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Strength, honor, and beer. This old Ingrid Bernall. Signing out. I'll see you guys on the internet, alright Yup. right? Yuppa-doo-doo. <coughs> <coughs>